Well, good morning, Woodland Church. My name is Ken Gilmore, and I'm the interim teaching pastor here at Woodland, and we are glad that you are here for this series that we're doing called The Want Cycle. We started it last week, and I said every Sunday in this series, we're going to be returning to the basic question, because as we turn into a new year, as we begin to look out into 2022, I I, I want you to really figure out an answer to this question. And the question is very simple. What do you want? What do you want? Now, if you were here last Sunday, you know that that is a tricky question to answer. I mean, it sounds very simple. Well, what do you want? That sounds like the easiest question in the world. But then you begin to think about what you really want and you realize there's a challenge here. Because for some of us, we are living the consequence of getting what we wanted only wanted going back to change what we wanted. You know, if we had the ability to do it, that's what we would do. Because what we wanted ended up not being what we really wanted. And so last week we dove into some things we know about our wants, and they are these. First, we want our way. If there's one thing we want, we want our way all the time. The second thing is we want to do what we want to do. We want our way and we want to do it the way we want to do it. The third thing is we want perpetual pleasure. We are after what feels good, what we enjoy, and that's what we pursue. The fourth thing is we want it now. Whatever it is, we want it now. And then finally, we want to change our wants. That we want the freedom to change our wants over time because what we want now isn't what we're going to want later. And so it it gets to be very complicated if we really do honestly look at these questions and say, all right, what do I really want? Because want is a crazy thing. And if we get what we want now, we may not get what we really want later. See, because we know many of us have experienced getting what we want, and that removes some of the options that come later, and then we discover what we really wanted. So as we move into this new year, we want to we take some time And dig into this because what's lurking behind what we want, what's lurking behind in the shadows of what we want is really what we value. That what you want is fueled by what you value as a person. And so maybe a better question to ask than what do you want is in 2022, I want to ask you this question, what do you value? What fuels those wants? What's really deep in here that gets expressed as want, but it really starts with what you value? Because for some of us, we want that job because we want that status, we want that position, we want that authority. Well, what's the value that's fueling that want? For some of you, you, you want that relationship. Why? What's the value that's driving the want. And, and here's the thing. We don't spend a lot of time on these questions. Our culture isn't wired to help us think this way. Our culture is a want-chasing culture. We just, we just want the next new thing. And we might be missing out on what we really want because we've never dug in to what we really value. And here's the thing. We will never get what we really want until we discover what we really value. 
That's why when you get what you want and at the end it's not really what you want, it's because you didn't focus on, all right, so what's the value that's driving this? Because that value just is going to keep being there and it's going to keep, it's going to keep forcing different wants on us. And here's the thing. This is true of, that's, that's just true of all humanity. But as followers of Jesus, if you call yourself a Christian, as followers of Jesus, we will never get what we really want until we discover what is most valuable. Because that's the thing, Jesus, Jesus never spoke about the immediate wants of his disciples. Very often, if, if people asked him for something, he would follow it up with another question. Uh, he would teach, you know, the Beatitudes. And the Beatitudes, the bulk of the Beatitudes of our blessed are you, for you will. Not you already have or it's coming right now, but you will. He would say, don't invest in just stuff on earth. Invest in the kingdom of heaven. Don't be focused on the immediate because there's something more valuable than that. There's something more valuable than what I can gain in the moment. But we don't like to hear that because we're people that want it now and we want what we want. And have you ever, have you ever gone through this, this kind of thought process? If you were thinking about the questions that I gave you last week and you really considered those, did any of you ever get to the point where you ask yourself, why isn't this easier? Why, why is it so hard for me to understand what I really should value? What is so difficult about this? What is it that makes this thing so hard? Because for many of us, we start a year, and whether we make resolutions or not, we have things we want to do. We have goals that we set, and they are good things. And what do we end up doing? We end up cutting ourselves off at the knees. We know what we want to do. We even say it's good. And then we don't do it. <laughs> and you have to ask the question, why is that? Why isn't it easier than this? To simply know what's valuable and pursue it. The reason that we struggle is because it's natural for us to think immediate and not ultimate. It is natural for us to think of our immediate wants instead of saying, well, what do I ultimately value? I mean, that is, it's, it's, one of those, it's one of those things where we want instant gratification. And, and experts will tell you, people who tell people how to raise children, one of the things that they say, what you got to bury into the mind and lives of your child is delayed gratification. Because if, if you give them what they want every moment that they want it, you're setting up a human disaster. And you know what? There are a lot of us who live that way. Why do you think debt is crazy in this country? Because we're more concerned about what we want in the immediate and not the ultimate. It's why it's a challenge. It's why when you go to buy something, nobody will tell you about the total cost. They'll tell you what it'll cost a month. Because it's the immediate. It's the thing in the short term that we tend to focus on and not the long term. I came across one of my favorite illustrations of delayed gratification was a little experiment that they set up with kids called the marshmallow test. Some of you may have seen this, but I just, I love this because it illustrates this struggle that goes on inside of us. Take a look. 
That is just so good. And, and for some of us, we're just like, oh, it's not the marshmallow, but it's the new car. It's not the marshmallow, but it's the new relationship. It's not the marshmallow, but it's something that we want. And we know what it is to wrestle because we want it now. And, and you know what? Better a marshmallow now than the promise of a marshmallow later, right? Is that, isn't that the way that we tend to operate? Now, it, the reason that this is a challenge is because choosing valuable is unnatural. Did you know that? It is unnatural for us to choose valuable. There is a war that goes on in us that, man, oh, I, I just want it now. And, and, you know, I'll deal with the valuable stuff later, but, I, man, I want to meet this need my way right now. Well, the Apostle Paul writes a letter to the church in Rome, and in it, I think, he, I think he gives us one of the best summaries of this struggle that is in all of Scripture. And, uh, and as a matter of fact, for some of you, you may not read the Bible, you may not believe the Bible, you might not really know where you stand when it comes to the whole faith thing, but I can tell you right now, this verse can be a life verse for you. You know what a life verse is? A life verse is a thing that Christians sometimes do. We'll pick a verse out of the Bible and say, this one, you know, I'm going to carry this one either as a reminder because I need this reminder or, you know, it's like, I think this is something that God speaks over me and speaks into my life. And so we kind of adopt these life verses. Uh, one of them out of 1 Corinthians, they make up little memes sometimes that go with them. It says, stand firm in the faith, be courageous, be strong. 1 Corinthians 16, 13. Or another really, really popular one is Philippians 4, 13. I mean, this is the one we actually covered it in our Philippians series. This is, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Now, you may not have a life verse, but I want to suggest this one to you. I think it will be a really good one. It comes out of Romans chapter 7, verse 15, and it simply says this, I do not understand what I do. All right? And, and if you need, I created a little meme that you could post on Facebook and say, hey, this is my life verse. It's I do not understand what I do. Some of us are sitting here going, Ken, that hits way too close to home. Because whether or not it's my life verse, it is my life reality. That when it comes to these struggles, when it comes to these challenges, when it comes to getting what I want, I do not understand what I do. I cannot explain what's going on. But you're in good company because that is speaking to all of us. The Apostle Paul would go on to write, I do not understand what I do. For what I want to do, I do not do. But what I hate, I do. I, I don't understand this. What I know I want to do, I do not do. And what I hate to do, I do. And you know what? It is a very small step from doing what you hate doing to hating yourself for doing it. That's where the enemy wants you. The enemy would love nothing more for you to just continually hate yourself because you do what you hate doing. Because you're wired to keep doing those things. The Apostle Paul goes on, he says, for I know the good. For I, for, uh, he says, I'm sorry, Nope, go back. I'm sorry, I jumped ahead. And if I do what I do not want to do, I agree that the law is good. As it is, it is no longer I myself who do it, but is sin living in me. And if you want a little parentheses, that does it. 
Now, this is very interesting because he says, and if I do what I do not want to do, I agree that the law is good. So here's the thing. I am not excusing myself. I'm not trying to redefine the bad things I do as good. I agree that they're bad. I agree the law is right. But as it is, it is no longer I myself who do it, but it is sin living in me that does it. There is a category that the Apostle Paul is creating. It's a category that further New Testament writers would write about, and it would be called the sinful nature. That there is something on the inside of me that's at war with what I really value. He goes on, for I know that good itself does not dwell in me. That is in my sinful nature. For I have the desire to do what is good, but I cannot carry it out. For I do not do the good that I want to do, but the evil I do not want to do, this I keep on doing. That I just keep cutting myself off. That I keep choosing the immediate over the ultimate. That I choose what is temporary over what's eternal. And it's going on in me. And they identify this as sin living in us. And it's there naturally. You don't have to teach it. You just live it. See, what we naturally want is often in conflict with what we ultimately want. That's a conflict that's going on. And for some of us, we live in a culture, in a, in a hum, you know, kind of a humanistic culture that wants to identify natural as good. But natural isn't good. Not up close. Not if you've actually paid attention. I mean, have you ever watched a nature special? You know, a nature special will show you a nice little animal like a baby gazelle. And everybody's just like, oh, see, goodness itself. Isn't that beautiful? And then the music changes. You know why the music changes? Because we see the rest of the picture. And the rest of the picture looks like this. Now let me ask you, is nature good? Because you know how this story ends? I'm not showing you a picture of that. Because nature is violent. Nature is ruthless. Nature gets what it wants. And I tell you, it is not a pretty thing. And it is not a pretty thing when, that gets, when we get what we want and we do it out of our nature. <sighs> Leads to some terrible outcomes. Because being naturally human, do you know what being naturally human looks like and leads to? It leads to cheating. It leads to lying. To prejudice. To racism. To sexism. To abuse. To adultery to selfishness, to, re, to a, a revenge cycle. It leads to greed. And here's the thing, that's not even the whole list. I'm not even giving you the whole list. There is way more to add, and if you want to add to it, simply turn on the news tonight, and you'll be able to add to it. Because that's what natural looks like. See, and if we live this way, if we live catering to those natural wants, those natural desires, do you know what ends up happening? Is we are natural disasters. If we're left to our nature. We become natural disasters. And there are those of you who say, Ken, I have a story to share. Because that is 
my story. And again, you're not alone. The Apostle Paul unpacks this a little bit more. If you look in his letter to the church in Galatia in chapter 5, he says it very clearly. He says, when you follow the desires of that sinful nature, the results are clear. Crystal clear. Sexual immorality, impurity, lustful pleasures, idolatry, sorcery. I mean, we don't use idolatry and sorcery in our culture, but you know, idolatry was simply worshiping material things, holding them up in supreme value. We might not call it idolatry, idolatry, but man, it is a problem in our culture. And then you got sorcery. Sorcery is simply using the spiritual world to manipulate to get what you want out of somebody, either cursing somebody or asking somebody, you know, some, some sorcerer to help that person fall in love with you. It's a manipulation game. Goes on, he says, hostility, quarreling, jealousy, outbursts of anger, selfish ambition, dissension, division, envy, drunkenness, wild parties, and other sins like these. I love the fact that when you look at most of the times that the Apostle Paul is making a list of vices, he never says this is the final list. He always says, and sins like these, or and the like, or other things like this. Why? Because he knows he doesn't have enough room to put all this in. And as a matter of fact, when he finishes the list, we'll make up more. Because it's in us to do this. He says, this is the problem. This is what that looks like. Let me tell you again, and this is a warning. As I have before, that anyone, anyone living that sort of life will not inherit the kingdom of God. The stakes in how we get what we want and understanding what we really value, the stakes are huge. Because I don't know about you, I want to inherit the kingdom. I don't want to live for anything else. And the stakes in this conversation are huge. And for most of us, we're sitting here going, okay, I think I understand the bad news. <laughs> Is there some good news in this? And yes, over the next couple of weeks, we are going to be unpacking some good news that's a part of this conversation. But, but sometimes we have to hover around what is uncomfortable in order for God to stir stuff up in us because otherwise we just keep moving on and getting what we want and finding out it's not what we really want. There is hope because there is a way to embrace valuable over natural. There is a way to do that. And last week we talked, we, we dipped into the, the book that, or the letter that James, the brother of Jesus, wrote to the churches. We're going to look there again. Because he has some very helpful words for us that we need to have in mind as we process, well, what do I really value? He says this in James chapter 1, starting with verse 14. He says, but each person is tempted when they are dragged away. Now, I, I want us to actually, I want, I want this to be a participation moment. When I read this verse, I want you to say along with me, dragged away. All right? But each person is tempted when they are dragged away. Think about that picture for a second. Think about what that looks like. Have you ever been drugged away? Wait, better, better, better question. Have you ever taken a toddler to a grocery store and had to drag them away from something? You know what that looks like, right? Right? 
There, there is this sense of which that person wants to go that way and this is dragging them this way. That's a, that's a pretty significant image, isn't it? So he says, but each person is tempted when they are dragged away by what? Oh, listen to what he says. Each person is tempted when they are dragged away by their own evil desire and enticed. Then after desire has conceived, it gives birth to sin. And sin, when it is full grown, gives birth to death. Wow. He's not saying that somebody else comes along and drags us away. He's not saying, oh, the devil made me do it. He's saying, no, you know what the problem is? The problem is here. It is your own desires. It is your own natural wants. And you know what they do? They drag you away from what you really want. If you let them. The, ch the challenge is, is, will I confront that? He goes on, he says, Do, don't be deceived, my dear brothers and sisters. Because we are so good at self-deception. <laughs> we convince ourselves it's what we want, it's what we ultimately value, and then we discover, ah, I was just kidding myself. Here's the deal. That is way easier to see in somebody else than it is to see in ourselves. I mean, have you ever been in a discussion with a friend or a colleague and they're describing a situation and they have to make a decision and they're telling you about all this and you're just sitting there listening and going, this is a horrible idea. And they get to the end of it and they say, so what do you think I should do? And you want to look at them and say, are you kidding? Like this is the worst decision I could ever see. And if you try to tell them that, you know what you'll get? Oh, really? No, I, I, you know, they, were, they were asking simply to get your approval, your kind of like reassurance, the fact that you would challenge it. It's like, no, no, because they've convinced themselves. Here's the thing. You can spot it in others long before you'll spot it in yourself. Because we deceive ourselves. James says, do not be deceived. My dear brothers and sisters, every good and perfect gift is from where? Above, not from within. Every good and perfect gift is, come, is from above, coming down from the Father of, of the heavenly lights who does not change like shifting shadows. Do you know why? Because God understands what's most valuable. He understands ultimate value. And so nothing is going to shift on him. Nothing's going to change because he's consistent in saying this is what's most valuable. It comes from above and not from within. Because what's in us is a nature that has to be taken away. That's why last week when we were sharing, the Apostle Paul says, put to death these things. Because there's this sin living in you that you want to get rid of because it's at war with what you really value. It's at war with what you really want. And we have to wrestle with that. We have to spend our time saying, all right, God, where am I being deceived here? Because I'm wrestling through this and, and I, I really want to discover what I really want. I really want to know what I really should value. Where am I getting this wrong? Because if, if you don't step in and, and come from the outside and give me some light, I'm just going to keep doing what I want. So this week, 
I want to end with three questions that I want you to consider. Because next week we're going to begin to turn the corner and say, all right, how do we start to value what's most valuable? But before we head there, we got to live in the moment of saying, all right, am I willing to honestly assess what's right here right now? And so three questions. First one, what do I really want? What, what ultimately do I want? What is, what is most important to me? The second one is this, what keeps dragging me away? <laughs> what keeps dragging me away? What do I allow to keep dragging me away from what I really want? Because if you get to the heart of what's dragging you away, oh, there is some hope for you. There is hope in not being deceived anymore. And then finally, ask this question, how long do I plan to let what I naturally want to drag me away from what I ultimately want? How long am I going to do this? How long am I just going to allow what I want naturally to keep dragging me away from what I want ultimately? Because here's the thing. If we are living naturally, we are not living valuably. And we have to honestly assess that. And here's the thing. That takes God's help. This isn't a, hey, you go out and you think about this and you mull this over. No, this is something you take to your father. Say, <laughs> There's nothing good in me that doesn't come from you, God. So where am I being deceived? Where am I allowing myself to be dragged away by myself from what I ultimately want? Because I tell you, if you start there and you get to the honest core of what's going on inside of you, you're going to value what comes the next two Sundays even more. Because it'll align with what you ultimately want. But we have to do the work of not being deceived. So let's pray. Lord, I thank you that you're a God who sees us so clearly, that you created us, you know us, you know our thoughts, and you know how easy it is for us to get caught up in this want cycle where it's, it's just get what we want, get it now, and we think immediate and we don't think ultimate. And we make the trade Lord, I pray that you would help us to understand that comes from a deep place inside of us. And until we're ready to confront that honestly, Lord, we're playing games with you. Help us not to play games. Because inheriting the kingdom is what's on the line here. For us and for those around us. So Lord, I pray that you would give us insight that you would help us to see where we're being deceived by ourselves and dragged away from what we ultimately want. Lord, I pray that you would give us wisdom to know what we need to do with what we're hearing, that you would give us the courage to do something about it. For it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.